Our men are warlike, but our women are bloodthirsty. Because of this, we require conflict as a people, or suffer a slow death at our own hands. And this is Hyperborean Radio. I am the Lorekeeper, and with me, as always, is the wonderful, the terrible, the tremendous, the Celtic God. Say hello to the fine people. I don't want to, and you can't make me. Okay. <laughs> but today we're going to talk about our people's warlike nature, because it's in everything we do. It's a massive part of who we are. And it's something that is woefully kind of misunderstood, misrepresented, and this... Well, and let's be honest, a lot of people go run off in the wrong direction and think that we're talking about just mass killing each other like in World War II. No, that was an abomination. No, well, World War One and World War Two was when all of a sudden our cultures, because before that we were very pro-war in the sense of... We had a season. Yes, we had a war season, and occasionally you had big boy wars, which were much more bloody. Yes. But then World War One and World War Two happened, which was a completely different animal. Right. It was a... We even did a podcast on the after effects of that and the effects it's having today, which is the To Live podcast. Well, for instance, and I'm going to go ancient first, just so that people can have context straight out the gate if they even hung in this long. Um, so the people that did, hey, bravo. Most You'd be surprised how many people drop off in the first three seconds. But there's military writings. I, I've read a lot of, of history and military history specifically where there were wars fought. And one of the agreements of the war is that their weapons shall remain sheathed. What does this mean? This means literally they kept the sheaths on the weapons they would keep them bound so that the odds of killing was minimized. It doesn't mean nobody died because blood force impact is a real thing. Yes. <clears throat> but they weren't fighting each other to kill each other. They was fighting each other to fight each other. Yes, they were. It's much like today. You have football, you have lacrosse, you have hockey, you have all of these different sports that are basically meant to simulate these wars, mm-hmm. these small wars, these war games, for lack of a better term. Right. And in the case of the one I just mentioned, that's a war, a war game. The equivalent would be a war game between two nations. Like we need to go. We need to go to war. But we don't want to kill each other. So how do we do this? Well, we will just leave our weapons in the sheaths and beat the living guts out of each other. And some people still die, but people die playing football. Right. People pl- die playing soccer. Yeah, uh, ping pong. It doesn't matter what the sport is. Oh, yeah. It can literally just because your heart exploded. Yeah. I mean, it happens. Um, But, yeah, not all wars were fought to these bloody extremes that we've been taught. Those have obviously become less and less, especially with the advent of the firearm. Well, it's because it stopped being a skill, uh, stopped being about... Your courage stop being about being bold. It started turning into something random. Random death, which you expect from a tornado. You expect from a flood. You expect from a wildfire, a conflagration. But you don't expect it in war. War, yes, there's always been a certain level of luck involved. Yeah. But it didn't used to be so blatant. Blatant. Like, its skill is basically off the table. Like, you look up different images and videos of modern warfare and it's a completely different beast even our own most time the soldiers don't even see each other no it's 
like there's actual video and I used to make fun of the insurgents in the Middle East for doing this because they'll lift their their uh, machine guns their assault rifles or whatever you heck you want to call them above their heads and just fire like a freaking chimpanzee and I made fun of them for this and then I found out our own men were doing the same thing yeah and I was embarrassed yes because like uh, to use an example from history this is less of a war game and more of a uh, Barbarian rules in America thing, but Doc Holliday. Mm-hmm. There's the famous story that was actually in a newspaper. Yep. It's not even technically folklore. It was news at the time where there's a shootout and everyone's shooting at Doc Holliday and Doc Holliday is just calmly walking towards them and shooting them. And because everybody else is too scared, they can't hit him. But Doc Holliday's taking them out one at a time. And then when he has to reload, he doesn't even take cover. He just starts reloading. There's a reason this guy was feared by like everyone mm-hmm. in the Old West. Well, yeah, it's because he was he was good at what he did, and then he became so good that other people couldn't they just couldn't kill him. I'll be your Huckleberry. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. The, he's Val Kilmer stole that movie. Yeah, because it was supposed to be about Wyatt Earp. Yeah, and it became the Doc Holliday movie. Well, and that's the other thing is, even when we're young, it's actually been pointed out the our young males will literally pick up a stick and start using it as a sword. Right. They don't even necessarily even know, have to know what a sword is. They just know this thing is an extension of my arm, and it, I can it use it. It gives me more reach, and I can whack things with it. Yes. Or people. Or people. But, um, yeah, and there's other things, too, that wrap into this. Like, it's a, it's a sad state of truth. But women don't have friends. They have people that they're friendly with. They have acquaintances. They have family. The, I've had so many women complain to me. I don't have any friends. Well, what about this this woman that you hang out with all the time? Fuck that bitch. <laughs> something, something. But they have associate uh, uh, people that they associate with. They have allies. They have family. But from what I understand, both from the ins- uh, the outside looking in and from what women have said to me, they don't have friends. Men, on the other hand, have friends. This is. It's understandable when you think about it from an evolutionary perspective. It's because women are, uh, um, even within the society, they are, um, what is that? They're competition for each other. But males, on the other hand, we have to have strong allies because we go to war. We start forming these bonds when we're young. That's why it's detrimental, actually. Uh, I talk to most males. They're like, I have no friends. I, I was pretty much the same situation most of my life. Nobody I can actually trust. Well, naturally, we would form war bands at the age of like five. Yeah, five to 12 depends on the area. Starts young. On- and then these war bands, they, they grow and or refine themselves. And you'll have different people in charge at different points of time. As, as skills they, become available, as physical development happens. Because yeah. you could all be the same size at five. But when you're all 20, you got one guy that's six foot seven, and like most of the rest of you are like five foot four. Right. But well, and the thing is that six foot seven guy, he might be in charge, or it might be the guy that's only five foot two. He's the shortest one in the bunch. He doesn't even actually necessarily fight the best. He can he can hold his own, but in a one on one against any of them, he's not going to win. But he can hold his own. But he's the smartest one. He's the one that has all the tactics, all the the logistics. He he's the go to. He can. He's the one that binds the group together. In that in that point, that six foot seven guy is going to follow the five foot two guy. However, if all the five foot two guy is is just intelligence, 
whatever or six foot uh whatever guy six foot seven i think is why i dubbed him uh, he's why should he listen to the guy that's not willing to put his own skin in the game well it's the difference between barking orders and leading mm-hmm. because yes leaders will give orders but well, a war band is just that it's a war band yes it's, it's not a group of soldiers being led by somebody from a thousand miles away well and we didn't used to have national boundaries the way we do now national boundaries as a fixed thing no your people, where they were, was your national boundaries. You guard your people's land. I mean, this was even, you can see this in old maps. Like, the Germanic territories was basically a bunch of tribal areas that were loosely defined. They don't really have a country, but they live there. You know they live there. You don't fuck with them. And it's because, historically, what would happen is, yes, you have this tribe, and then you have this tribe. But there's an expectation that a war band is going to rise up. And this person is probably going to be the best fit leader. So then from there, there's always a bit of wibbly wobbly in territory because you'd have these massive confederations like the Franks, for instance, mm-hmm. rise up around a singular leader. And then naturally, they'd retract as soon as the leader's gone. Mm-hmm. Well, and sometimes, you know, it'd be broken up in four or five. Everybody thinks that their guy is the guy to lead everybody. So then they all start scrapping. And sometimes they're like, OK, you guys follow me and you guys follow them and then we won't fight because we still like each other we just can't work together well it's kind of like uh, alexander the great after he died wasn't his territory split into like four or five pieces left by was, his generals it was a bunch of pieces it, okay uh, according to the different histories i've read it's it, they give different numbers everywhere from three is the smallest that i've read up to over 50 well and he was so tr- how many did it break up into i don't know well, and he was trained from a really young age. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he was actually kind of, if I remember correctly, Alexander the Great was the extra kid. Yeah. You know, like the most noble houses, noble clans, noble families, they don't really necessarily expect great things from the younger kids. That's why they usually end up becoming like a knight or a mercenary or something along those lines. They have more leeway, but they also have less expectations of them. Yeah. So. And. He wanted to be great, so he went and became great. Well, he became the great. Yeah, so great that he became the great. And our people, we thrive on, on conflict. It doesn't necessarily mean war in the sense of us fighting each, other, fighting each other to kill. It doesn't even mean us fighting each other in the sense of combat. It can be as simple as a footy ball game. Oh, yeah. Well, well, specifically American football, because the, the stuff that the Europeans do, that's a hunting game. Oh, yeah. Soccer or European football or the wrong football, as the Americans know it. Right. Um, that's a hunting game. You're basically the ball is a stand in for a rabbit, basically rabbit or some other small game animal. But basically, American football is even set up like two small war bands fighting each other. Yes. That's even how it's set up. The quarterback is basically the general, the the coach is the chieftain. And that's and the quarterback can actually change plays. Like if the coach yeah, calls he can one, overrule the coach yes, on the field. Because he's actually on the field and he can be like, No, we know this one's gonna fail, so we're gonna try something else. And that's the point of sports. Like uh, we have a lot of different sports in America and one of them, basketball, was actually invented because there wasn't a winter sport. I'm guessing hockey either wasn't around or it wasn't popular enough or something. Maybe it's because they didn't have, like, I don't know. 
but basketball was literally invented because there wasn't enough sports for the young men to play and burn off all that excess warband energy in the winter. I think that was even his description, wasn't it? Oh, it wasn't just to burn off the energy. It was to burn off that warband-like energy. I don't know if he literally used the word warband, but he definitely kind of referenced it. Our ancestors were more aware of our nature than most of us are today, on mm-hmm. day, which is good because it means you can kind of look back and find these things, but it's bad in the sense that so many people are so oblivious to our own nature. But this building of the warband, it also builds, it, it builds trust amongst the males. Well, and it actually gives a built-in social network for the females because mm-hmm. females are inherently competition for each other, and our women are extremely bloodthirsty. That's not an insult. It's actually it's kind of attractive it when it's refined well. But the females, because all of the males are extremely tight-knit, the woman can't be like, well, I don't like his face. The man's just like, he's basically my brother. I've known him since we were three. He's fought by my side for decades. I am not abandoning him because you don't like his wife's cookies. Yeah. So that forces more of a communal bond to stay there. Well, and there's a few things that lead to us not forming these now. Uh, the, these war bands in modern day. And the thing is, is the powers that be, they don't want us forming war bands. No, they've even admitted that. Yeah, they've come right out and said it. Uh, uh, using those words, using the word war band, uh, very recently, I think in the last year, they actually directly addressed it. They don't want our young men being friends. They want families moving around. They do not want us forming communities because... When you get that tight-knit community like that, which is based, honestly, off from conflict. Some of the the tightest-knit friendships is based off from a punch to the face. Well, that's actually how males bond, is if you aren't allowed to actually bring it to physical blows, it turns into this effeminate caddy fight. And men can't be friends with that kind of bad blood because we have to trust each other. Mm-hmm. We have to. So we can't have this sort of two-facedness so thing going on. you get the laws involved. You get the modern society involved. You get all these things. They break, the, they break down that, that cohesion. Boys, boys will be boys, as the, say, as the saying used to be. It meant that they were going to do stupid shit. They was going to break the occasional window. They was going to climb a tree and fall out of the tree. But it also meant that they was going to punch each other in the face. Oh, yeah. And, well, Mom, Tommy punched me in the eye. And it used to be, well, go punch him back. Go punch him back. At most, maybe some pe- frozen peas for yeah, the eye. Here. Uh, you, you at least swung back, right? Uh, the parents used to not get involved. Oh, yeah. It used to be, I expect you to be able to defend yourself. And if the kid really couldn't, the parents would find a way to get him to learn. Whether that would mean an outside coach yep. or here's how you throw a punch. Once upon a time, that's that's what the answers used to be. And, well, you're encouraging bully, bullying. Well, fuck you, no, I'm not. And yes, I am. Both at the same time. Not the way that you mean it. Because here's the thing is that bully that you're thinking of, the TV bully, he ends up getting ostracized. All the other kids will eventually gang up on that kid and beat the living guts out of him, and he's going to have no friends. That kind of bully can't exist or at least can't exist for very long oh it's part of the issue a lot of people will actually take the movies and tv and put that on real life like the jocks all being dicks and then the nerds are all 
actually really kind-hearted. They're just wimpy and they like kind-hearted, I, misunderstood. Uh, da, da, da. It's when, actually, really, in my personal experience, those nerds are the most cruel motherfuckers in the school. Oh yeah, because when I was in high school and I wasn't a jock, I was not a jock. I had the potential to be a jock, but I didn't have the the right attitude for it. But the jocks were actually the nicest people to me. The mm-hmm. the the track stars, the footballers, the, the people that were more physically competent. And the thing is, is it's true even out even outside of school, in the the real world, the person that is least likely to start something is the one that is most capable of killing somebody. Oh yeah, well it's because the most the more dangerous you are, the more assured of yourself you are. Yeah, you don't need to resort to that. As a matter of fact, that is the last ditch effort. You're going well, to try many other things before just crushing somebody because you know that you can do it. Well, it's like the movie Fight Club. How did um, the main character, uh, Tyler Durden, actually gain everybody's loyalty? It wasn't that he threw a punch. It's that he was willing to take it all for them Yeah, because he proved he was willing to practically die. Oh, yeah, you're talking about the scene in the basement when he let... Uh, well, he didn't just let the guy. He basically made the guy beat him up. Yes, until he basically allowed him to do it, and then he won the loyalty of everyone there. That was his war band. Mm-hmm. And he uses it as such. And these things are going to vary from group to group, age to age, so on and so forth. But it's the team building. That, that's what it all is, especially for the males. And for the females, I, I don't mean to ostracize the females in this conversation, but I don't know how they fit in. All I know is historically our women are the most bloodthirsty things on the battlefield if they got on the battlefield well, or came along after the battle. Well, isn't there a line about, uh, in, it's in Celtic uh, folklore, the, the women on the battlefield, there's nothing more bloodthirsty yes, than a woman Scottish on the battlefield. Yes, it's a Scottish thing. Uh, there's, uh, I, forget, I forget what the whole thing is, but I, something, about men, something about men in war, but there's nothing more bloodthirsty on the field of battle than a woman. Well, and that seems to be true because you have figures like Boudicca, Grace O'Malley. They may not have been quite as physically capable as the males of equal hero status, but man, were they dangerous. Mm -hmm. Well, and then there's this other issue, and it's also shown historically where after the battles are won, the men are done. They, they, They might take control of the area. They might not take control of the area. They might just take stuff and fuck off home, whatever. But the women there, they want to kill all the dogs, the chickens, the cats, everything. They just want to kill everything there before they go home. Well, and then there's also the reverse of that because the men know not to even kill all of the men of the other Mm -hmm. tribe because then the women are released. And not from, like, the bondage of the male. No, 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 no. There's nothing holding them back anymore. They will scorch the They have no reason to maintain self-control at that point. No, because our women... And it, you even saw that in real life with the the mewling calf, because we recorded a little something about mm-hmm. how, uh, what does it say? I was to raise a man, not a mewling calf. Get out of my sight before I slit your feckin' throat myself. Yes. All the women are like, yes! Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, dude, they get so excited over that, that little clip, and all the men are like, oh, my goodness. Well, let, let's, 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 yeah. let's, cor- let's correct it. Males. Yeah, males, not men. No, the men, not so much. We've, we've tested it with men. They aren't bothered by it. They actually get just as excited. Yeah. Maybe not quite as excited as the females. But they're like, yeah. But yeah, that's, I see it. That is our females. Our females are dangerous, and that's part of what attracts us to them. It's just like what attracts them to us. 
We are extremely dangerous, but we keep it voluntarily under right. control. And we trust them to not slit our throat in our sleep. Yes, just like they trust us to not accidentally squeeze them to death. And that is attractive to us. And it's I think it's driving our women a bit crazy, because just like the men have the warlike nature, so do the women. And the women, I think, this is from an outside looking in as a male. The women are torn because some people are telling them to be sweet. Like you have to be, be sweet, sweet or soft. Soft or men won't like it. Men don't like women that can do this. Men don't like women with big muscles. Women don't, uh, these sorts of things. And then they have the other thing, which is like, no, don't be sweet. Be tough. Be strong. Yeah. Be be the man. Basically, be male. No. It, both of these are true and both of these are false. The reality is, is the women sweet to the people that love them absolutely fucking ruthless to everyone else yes that is how our women have historically always been with their own males the ones they care about you know the ones they're not basically trying to burn the weakness out of the tribe with they are very sweet they are very nurturing they might get absolutely angry at any sight of weakness like there's this one scene in rob roy i think the film is but rob roy is confronting a bunch of cattle rustlers mm -hmm. and the cattle rustlers surrender there's an old woman with them. She loses her ever-loving mind and just takes a knife and swears at all the men, saying they're all cowards, and basically rushes for the other men with mm -hmm. a knife. Yeah, it, it's, it's a whole big complex thing, but it all comes back to we as a people require conflict. The best opponents for us, honestly, are ourselves. There's nobody else tough enough. Well, it's part of we, the reason. We've tried. We've tried the jet. Let's go to the, the next toughest stereotypical people, the Japanese samurai. These are a warrior people. Their swords are sharp enough that they can cut the, air, the very air itself. The slices through the light and then you become invisible. They are bred from birth to be warriors of the Shidoshi or Shinobi or the Shidoki or Bushido or whatever. Whatever the hell it is. They were. They were a warrior people. Now, Europeans start trading with them. And our guys go over there because we're sail sailing over there at the time. No, no bicycles to ride across the ocean. No planes to fly. So it's sailors. The sailors are going there with the dignitaries and uh, the merchants and whatnot. Somebody's got to drive the boat, right? And while the dignitaries and the merchants are off doing dignitary and merchant things, the sailors are like, Hey, let's go hit the town. We'll see the sights, talk to the people, drink the drinks, hit on the women. I think they're women. Are they boys? I'm not sure. Either way, it's got makeup on. I'm going to flirt with it. And then they, they find out about these, these samurai. and They're raised from birth and family lineages. And they're like, oh, my God, I got to see how tough I am. These guys are obviously tough because they're small, but they're raised from birth to fight. And they've got this great reputation. And then our sailors were whipping the shit out of them, not even killing them. I mean, it did happen on occasion. But in general, our guys would just beat them. And we would do such dishonorable acts as catching their sword blade and then punching them in the face. Yes. And then a lot of them. Th this is documented that the sailors would wrap their hands in cloth because they knew this was a weakness of the samurai and catch the blade. As the samurai's swinging it, step in and catch catch the blade, and then just strike him in the face or hit him with their sword, usually punching them with the uh, the guard part of the sword and beating the samurai. They weren't killing them, but there was a dictate passed down from 
the leader of the Japanese. Uh, uh, the Nippo, I think, is is their word. Shogun for it. or something like that. Yeah. Anyways, the leader of the Japanese ends up passing down a dictate, making the sailors stay. They couldn't leave the docks because they were killing all the samurai. That's from that side of the history. From the other side of the history, there's some serious confusion. They're like, what do you mean killing them? We aren't killing them. Yeah, it was just a basically a bare knuckle boxing match. Kind of. Where we allowing let them have the a Japanese sword. use their use their weapon of choice. But they were killing the samurai, even though they weren't the one dealing the death blow, because you have this warrior race that's being beaten from their perspective by a servant or by a peasant. For the warrior to lose so soundly in battle to a peasant to them was so shameful that they were killing themselves. Oh, yeah, they were committing uh, seppuku. Yeah, seppuku. That's how our our sailors, not our warriors, not our soldiers, not people trained to fight combat in that way. It's not that they didn't know how to fight because pretty much if you was a sailor, you had to know how to throw down a little bit. But they were primarily, you know, make the ship go and try not to sink it. Well, the reality is, is all of us knew how to fight. Yeah, it wasn't, but it wasn't their primary, their, no. their primary function. No. But it's like bear cubs. Bear cubs will f- literally basically box with each other. Mm-hmm. It, it's how we roll. Like me and my little brother, how we used to solve conflicts was through fist fights. The, the point of telling the story with the Japanese is the only ones that can really stand up against us is us. Yes. We need each other. We need to have conflict basically with ourselves so that we can become stronger. And yes, I know how that sounds, but prove me wrong historically. What other race has absolutely dominated on the, on the battlefield versus the European or the Hyperborean? And not through political yeah. Game of Thrones garbage. Just militarily dominated i will wait well and it's not that we haven't lost either because there's examples of us losing there was fifty thousand of them there was 500 of us we lost we lost but we killed forty-five thousand of them yeah at that point it's more of a numbers game yeah and that's like uh, someone might argue well the african-americans the ameriblacks because look at how much they dominate sports that's a sport until you look at the rules, because there's more and more rules added onto the sports. Like boxing became a game of tag, mm-hmm. and Ameriblacks and Africans in general have more fast twitch muscle fibers. Right, so and it's not that they don't have knockout power, but if it's by the actual knockout rather than tag tag points, the odds are stacked more in our favor at that point. Some of them will do really well. I mean, they always have since they've been allowed to box with us, because you got powerhouses. George Foreman. Oh, yeah. George Foreman was an absolute powerhouse. Mike Tyson, absolute powerhouse. Oh, yeah. I'm not knocking them. But we can also take a beating. They can take a beating just in a different way. So it's kind of a trade-off. But the, the, the game is rigged now for the people with the most fast-twitch fiber muscle. Well, and it's because once you have a point system instead of a knockout system, it's a completely different sport. Mm-hmm. Well, and then there's things like the gear that they have to wear now with the, the boxing gloves. It's actually it's a less completely safe. Different, it's a completely different fight when you take the gloves off and it's bare knuckle boxing. Oh, same with like uh, football, mm-hmm. like American football. If you wear all of the gear versus wearing the old school gear, it's a completely different way of, of fighting, basically. Yeah. 
And that's the thing is all of these sports have been rendered moot. It's like Queensberry rules for boxing. Oh, no, yeah, Queens. when they did that because the Celtic boxing was kicking the living fuck out of all of them. Well, it's like everyone wonders where the European martial arts are. Boxing. Boxing mm-hmm. and wrestling. Or as it might be known, grappling. These are two really, really old martial arts. They've been kind of neutered, but you can figure out a way around If you want to figure out that. what it was, what are the rules? No eye gouging. Okay, so they used to be able to eye gouge. No ripping off ears. Yeah, no. That's a rule, an actual rule. No pulling off of the ear, which means that you could grab them by the ear and tear at the ear. It was perfectly fucking legal. They ended up making it illegal. That's why it's in the rules. Somebody was doing it, and then they was like, oh, no, we can't allow this. No kicking, no elbows, no knees. All these things are part of boxing. If you want to know what boxing once was, look at all of the rules and break every one of them and get really good at breaking the rules. Dirty boxing, as a lot of purists now would say, the boxing purists would say, well, you're talking about dirty boxing. Fucking right I am. It was a battlefield method of combat. It was actually also done, you was expected to be wearing steel gloves, gauntlets. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what, like, you have bronze knuckles for, like, a street weapon. Brass knuckles, yeah. Brass knuckles, not bronze knuckles. But that's where a lot of our martial arts went is they're part of the sports and then they neuter them so that they don't lose prize fighters or so everyone can participate a bit. But you just start peeling the rules back and yeah. Or like you have like catch wrestling. Catch mm-hmm. wrestling. Catch wrestling. Is, it, it's, it's fucking phenomenal. And yes, the catch wrestling that you watch on TV, it's staged. But that's actually even more impressive. Yeah, that's even more impressive because without the staging of it, these dudes are only one or two matches, and they're they're just done. Well, it's like you go over to Asia with catch wrestling. They just whoop their ass. Yeah. Catch wrestling just wrecks them, and it's because the Asians are like, oh, oh, oh. It's just like testosterone-fueled ballet. It's not real fighting. Proceed to get their ass handed to them. It's real fighting. Yes. Or, uh, man, I love I that mean, one. I you do, uh, uh, I think it's called a tombstone. You're going to sm- You do that for real without... I mean, and I mean for real, like your opponent is not going with it. You're not warning your opponent. You don't do the save move for him. You're going to break the top of his skull, his neck, probably his spine. The, mm, well, for yeah. real combat? Yeah, that's that's the shit right there. That's why it's so impressive what they're able to do because they are using what should be lethal moves in a real fight and figuring out how to make them non-lethal. Yeah. In fact, trying to make it so that the other person isn't severely injured by what should be a lethal move. Yes. And, and even then, sometimes they mess up. Like, uh, there was one years ago, some female wrestler, China, broke her neck. Everybody's like, oh, it's fake. No, she actually got her neck broke. Well, it's like, um, you can actually see this on our fighters versus everybody else's. When our fighters, especially our males, but it happens with our females too, are serious, like they just want to fight. They're just in the moment. You can see the predatory look on their eyes, Mm -hmm. like a wolf or a bear stalking the prey. But we need these games so that we don't do it for real all the time. And, well, there's multiple things. One, it keeps us sane. The other is it makes us better at doing these things makes us less likely to lash out just blindly and it it creates a tighter family like these wrestlers for all the drama that goes on on camera and and i'm going to use the catch wrestling the wwe stuff there's all this drama no most of those people are actually friends 
off camera. Well, and you used to actually be a fighter. You're not a famous one. Not a famous one, but I but was a fighter. And, yeah, they would try getting me to do the the TV crap, and I, I just wouldn't participate with it. But in the in the back, we was all friends. After the fights, we'd go out together and have drinks and dinner and, and party and have fun. Well, and if anyone was, uh, let's go with a problem, eventually they would end up not being. Yeah, we, would, we just wouldn't pull our punches so much with that guy. Yeah. Well, if he was that, if he was the way that he, okay, if he was that dramatic in real life, yeah, we would accidentally uh, slip slip a punch and hit him on that. Uh, there's a specific spot on the elbow where you can cause massive damage, and it makes it to where they just can't straighten their arm anymore. Yeah, you'd remove someone from the career pool yeah. for being unacceptable, basically. Yeah. We, we would hurt them just a little bit on purpose, and every fight it adds up until eventually they just can't do it. Yes. And, and the reason why we would do it slowly, it wasn't to torture them. It was to give them a chance to realize what it, hey, that is just a show. You don't need to be that all the time. No, you don't have to be an asshole all the time. To go back to that whole we are the only ones that can compete with each other, look at don fry's fight with that one japanese guy i think it was and he was big for a japanese oh yeah they're they're, they're they was roughly the same size ish and it was john fry and him get into a match where they're literally just basically holding each other close and punching each other the whole way and the japanese guy is entering into a panic and don fry is enjoying just he was enjoying just every second like, of yeah, it. Yeah, let's do this again, 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 again. Yeah. It was basically I've been in those type of matches where you're just like who punch, can last the yeah. longest. Just trading punches. Well, the Japanese guy knew at that moment he was going to lose. As soon as Don Fry looked him in the eye and laughed, that was when the panic set into the Japanese dude's face. But Don Fry was genuinely having fun. Well, and our people do. It's uh, like that line from, uh, what's it? Rob, Rob Howard. Mm-hmm. Not Rob Howard. Ron? Ron. Ron. The uh, other Howard? Yes. Man, I, I'm Howard. I always just call him Howard, but the author of Conan. Right. Robert E. Howard. He even has that line. Some people are born with the spirit of the storm in their heart. Mm-hmm. They have to fight. And he was one of them. He basically died. He killed himself basically because he was a barbarian in a civilized time. Yeah, it was because he couldn't partake in that. He couldn't. It was frowned upon. Well, the storm in his heart was brewing, and it was either going to hurt him or hurt people close to him at a certain point. That's why we have to have these outlets in some form, because I think Howard was even a boxer, or am I misremembering? He participated in boxing and grappling and uh, what now would be termed mixed martial arts and uh, combat arts. He, he he participated in these things. He wasn't famous in any of them, but he did participate in them trying for the outlet, but it still wasn't enough because it was sport. Oh, yeah. There is a certain line where people need more than sport. We are built this way. It's like, look at the an- other animals of the north. Freaking chipmunks and squirrels will go to war with each other. Mm-hmm. Wolves will battle over territory, and that's their territory. Or like the area that we went camping in, that whole force belonged to the chipmunks. Yes, because every time that one, there was one squirrel, and we knew it was the same squirrel every single time because it was a melanistic squirrel, and the chip and it was trying to be there, but the chipmunks owned that area. Well, it, it, the porcupines wouldn't mess with the chipmunks. The deer wouldn't mess with the chipmunks. There was some other larger predator that when the chipmunks start moving around, the large predator evacuated the area. The chipmunks owned that area. Oh, yeah. And 
the reality is, is chipmunks are just ruthless. Mm -hmm. Like, they are actually hunters. They will eat baby birds. This whole adorable little Alvin and the I chipmunks I haven't seen thing. it, but I suspect that they could kill a large predator. And these ones might have done... That might be why the large predators was like, oh, shit, the chipmunks are out. Well, it's... Size isn't everything. Like, because some of our guys are a little self-conscious about being a bit smaller. Don't be. Yeah. Well, it's mindset. Eat a sandwich. Eat a sandwich. Like... If you're just shorter, don't worry about it. That just means you can put mass on thicker, faster. You can be the pit bull. You can be the wolverine. Mm -hmm. It's good. It's actually an advantageous thing when you just want Eat strength. more lift heavy, you'll get fucking big. Well, it's like your it doesn't uncle. doesn't matter if you're five foot two or six foot two. Well, like you had an uncle was like five foot two. Uh, somewhere around there, yeah. But like 250 When I pounds. was a little kid, he was massive. When as as full grown man, he was just big. Yes, but he was short. But man, was he was, yeah. he was like he was the strongest of your uncles. Yeah, he was strong. He was just fuck strong. When uh, okay, because they died at different times. So at one point, was the strongest one. He was also also happened to be the biggest one. He was six foot something, two hundred and some odd pounds, but. By the end, he was dead, but by the end, that was the, the strongest one probably ever because he was only five foot something, had the same weight, and was all muscle through and through. Yeah, and that's the thing is when you're shorter, you can actually develop that muscle, and you can actually hit harder in some ways than the bigger guys. Right. Well, and there's leverage issues that you watch any strongman competition. You got smaller guys beating the bigger guys at certain lifts and the bigger guys beating the smaller guys at other lifts. So who's stronger? Well, what do you mean who's stronger? Well, so a lot of them will even ask that. What do you mean? Well, I'm the world's strongest man or he's the world's strongest man or he's the four times world's strongest man. Is that what you mean? Because I consistently beat him at this one lift. Well, and it's all about figuring out what works for style. And you can actually kind of see this to an extent in uh, the martial arts of different areas like uh, the Alps in Switzerland you have bear wrestling or swinging for swinging around and it is just a type of grappling but you can kind of tell by how it's done part of it is you're supposed to throw the other person mm -hmm. and at a certain point because the Alpines tend to be relatively big it's just easier to throw someone don't bother hitting them don't bother just, just don't bother grappling you're the height difference, it's easier to throw them. Like Legolas through Gimli. Right. Was well, and like it's easier, it's easy to say on the surface, mm -hmm. six foot nine, a 40 inch uh, punch reach or reach for a punch. He's definitely on paper. He's the superior fighter just due to this. But if he's fighting somebody that's five foot two with, say, a 30 inch reach, but the, third, uh, the five foot two guy gets inside and he's a master of infighting. While the tall guy is a master of outfighting, who's really going to win now? Ah, well, and it's one of those things where it's all in how do you adapt? And then there's luck and then there's instances because you can be the better fighter, but you make one mistake early on. Right, you slip you on can, a fucking rock. Yeah, it's a valid thing. And here's the thing is the smaller guys can squirrel up the big guys, but if the big guys get a hold of the small guys... Uh, they're potentially yeah, that, that's gone. A, that's a completely yeah. It's a this or that. It's like when you want to show a big guy that you you like him as a friend, you jump on his back. Yes, 
And, and they don't like that. No. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm a small feller. I'm only like five foot eight, two hundred and fifty pounds. I know, right? It, 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 you're such a small guy. He's like six foot eight, one hundred and eighty-five pounds. He's but he's six foot eight. He should be able to take me jumping on his back. You're basically a Wolverine that jumped on a beanpole. <laughs> <laughs> what did you expect? Uh, he's six foot eight. He's bigger than me, so he should be able to hold me up. I don't care how much he weighs. But that's that's why we need these war games and. In the absence of the physical conflict, in the absence of war, our natural war bands and friends group and brotherhoods and these sorts of things, we are ending up that our only outlet is video games. Yeah. So you enter, and then the video games are fulfilling certain needs as well. First of all, there's the story element because let's be honest, most other forms of storytelling have gone to pot lately. But there's also, like, there's tactic games. So people that want to study tactics for war, they start playing, like, Iron Harvest or other turn-based mm -hmm. strategy games. You have first-person fighting games, which kind of mimic how the Berserk is described, where you're almost controlling your body from a third-person perspective. And you have or these fighting games. And all of these things, it's part of our warlike nature. We need these things. In to the end, let's be honest. We're doing it on video games because we can't do it in real life. Oh, yeah. If people could actually... Well, because you can even see it. Like, uh, we did a whole review of God of War. Mm -hmm. There are, like, I showed you that one video. Guy just got so into God of War. He's got the physique. He's got the beard. He's got the shaved head. He's got the axes. Jumps off a freaking cliff into frigid cold water. Crazy motherfucker. We are trying to take the... Well, and the comments was mocking him. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. Why? What motivated him to do that? I'm just glad to see somebody doing something he's got real. The, he's got the balls to take something from what is the land of fantasy, mm -hmm. the land of fiction, and try to bring it into reality. Well, it shows why stories are so important to our people. And there's a responsibility in the storytelling for them to be accurate. Because we are going to breathe life into them. Well, and then there's also not only because actually the uh, the warrior and the bard are brothers. We've mm -hmm. brought this up before. The most amount of bards come from warrior tribes and the most amount of warriors come from bardic tribes because they're the same tribes. Yeah. Because these two things are expressions of the same thing. It's just what is your nature more suited for? Are you, Or your talents. Because a bard can't be a warrior and a warrior can't be a bard. But there's a point in time when they could be either one if they have that nature as part of them. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the importance of... Because without the bards, and I don't just mean singer-songwriters, I mean the entirety of a bard. Yeah. The people that can play the... Which we've been kind of working into explaining the fullness of a bard on our Telegram. It's not, like you said, it's not just singing it's not just storytelling it's not just acting it's not just 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 it's all of these things to be a bard well if you think about it basically the difference between a bard and a warrior is a warrior is a master of his own soul the ability to refine himself down to a fighting machine for his people and potentially never fight even though that storm is raging in his heart just having the potential to eventually do so if he must do Whereas the bard it comes a master at you, uh, playing with other people's souls. Well, playing is the wrong word, but basically the instrument of a bard is not his lute. It's not his guitar. It's not his piano. It's, it's not the his, hearts of his audience. The spirits, the souls, the ghosts, whatever. 
of his audience, the ability to play that, to make them rise and fall. And those are the two sides. It's why the same kind of person, that same dedication, that same strength and love for the people can become either of these. But the bar, but a, just something as simple as the hand. A warrior can't have the deafness in his hands to play the instruments, to do what must be done to be a bard. Right. And the bard cannot harden his hand enough, cannot harden his body enough to be as physically capable as the warrior. Right, so it's not that the bard can't fight and the warrior can't play an instrument. One will never do the other as well as the other does because there's, there's a sacrifice involved. To harden your body to the point that it is a weapon, you then have to sacrifice some of the nimbleness that allows you to do the bardic things and vice versa and vice versa yeah, it, it goes back and forth so there's sacrifice involved and, and another way to think about it is um because you mentioned uh, okay anyways the the warrior is the defender of the people's body the the bard is the defender of the people's story or their heart, their soul. The intangible, the defender of the intangible versus the defender of the tangible. Yeah. And one without the other is no good. To be well, quite honest, frank, and blunt, one without the other is no good. That's why the warrior bard, people say the warrior bard, and they're thinking one individual. But no, it's two. The warrior and bard are brothers. When someone says a warrior bard, they mean a warrior and a bard. Or at least that's what they should mean. Yes. It's not even just those two things. Those are just the most obvious examples of our warlike nature. Because then you also get into everything we do, whether it's art, whether it's baking. Yeah, a fucking baking contest. That is a war amongst, hopefully, women. Oh, yeah, because, oh, my gosh. It, uh, or a, a quilting contest. This is their conflict. They participate in these things the same way as men will participate in a mock battle oh yeah and women are capable of fighting and not don't get me wrong but this is actually something that's kind of become corrupted over time is women think oh they just like me because i'm sexy with the sword and the chainmail bikini and yeah that's sexy but you but the reality is is you're far more attractive honestly far prettier far more when it's when it's capability, when you right. can actually use the armor, when you can actually use the weapon. Well, and the thing is, I've I've talked to several males because let's let's include just males, not just men. The just like a woman is attracted to a man that can actually do a thing, men are attracted to a woman that can do a thing. What that thing is doesn't really matter so much as that they do it extremely well. And bitching is not that thing. Whining is not that thing for either sex. Well, and both have to fill... A good pairing is someone who fills the weaknesses of the other, mm -hmm. keep making them a more complete unit. You know, like uh, with wolves. The female will sometimes pretend to cower to guard the male's neck because it's his weak point. Mm -hmm. So together they are a stronger unit physically. They are more capable of defending each other's weak points. With humans, we're a bit more complex. So there's like... The male might be good at hunting and butchering and all these things, but he still needs the woman to keep the home. He still needs the woman to be able to guard it. There's all these different components, but they have to, when they're together, hopefully create a coherent whole. Right. Um, he might He might literally only need her just to defend his character. But so long as she does that extremely well, 
she has his loyalty forever. So long as he does whatever it is her expectation is extremely well, he will forever have her her loyalty. Well, and that's kind of the thing is we have to respect each other. There's a certain level of respect that comes with love. But it seems like part of what's affecting people's ability to have relationships is the lack of mutual respect. That they might have the emotional attachment, but not the... Well, he's my best friend. She's my best friend. Stop. That is... Are you two partners or are you friends? There's a very big difference. Because I have never seen this, they're my best friend, actually work out. Never have I seen it work out. No, it's some of the worst advice that has ever been given because I got it even when I was young. Mm-hmm. But it didn't take me long to realize, no, you don't want to be friends with the, the girl you're dating because one... Right, you want to love her, you want to adore her, but you don't want to be her friend. You don't want to play dress up with her. No, you don't want to play dress up with her. You don't want to... And it's trying to find a good mate is becoming really complicated because both sexes don't really know how to date anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, there's entire hobbies people will pretend to have to try to get with someone. Let let me explain this very basically. If you guys are, if a man and a woman are really and truly friends, one of two things has happened. Either she became one of the bros. Or he became one of the gals. Or he became one of the gals. One of these two things are happening. It doesn't mean that you don't. Just because you're not best friends doesn't mean that you're not loyal to each other, don't love each other immensely and deeply. Or the romantic love doesn't mean that you don't have that just because you're not best friends. Well, really, who necessarily wants to have romantic love with their best friend? Yeah, I I, I don't really want romantic love with my best bro. Well, and at that or point, my dog. are you actually are, are you actually the bestest of friends or are you something else at that point? Well, that's why there used to be an understanding of seven different kinds of love or and more, actually. You yeah. can even see it in the deities. Like in the Norse pantheon, there's a bunch of different gods of love. In the Greek pantheon, the Roman pantheon, the Irish pantheon. There's friend love. There's uh, romantic love. There's, there's sexual dedicated love, love. Sexual love. Platonic love. Uh, familial love. Things like that. And the, the reality is, is... I love my dog, but I don't want to fuck it. Yeah. It, I don't think he would appreciate it either. No. And then you have situations like the reality is, is like father and son. It's a very specific relationship. Mm -hmm. Same with husband and wife. Spouses are a very specific relationship. Mentor, mentee, general to troops. The troops can absolutely love their general, absolutely adore him. It is a completely different kind of love from the one they might have for their best gal back home. Man, I hope so. I hope so, too. (laughs) For everybody involved. I hope that is a completely different type of love, but it doesn't mean that they're not dedicated to their leader, to their troop mates, to their friend, to their their dog, their child. Their, there's lots of room in our heart for love well, because there's many kinds of love, and they all run deep, and they're all true. Well, a good chieftain is loved by his people. Yeah. He might also be feared. He might also be respected. But there's that that love there. He does things because he loves his people and they love him back. The, the or at least when it's done concept. right. At least when it's done right. Yes. And I think that's what a lot of people want. We're a meritocratic people by nature. It's part of our warlike nature because if you have a healthy military, you don't tend to reward incompetence by promoting them. Well, and I, I make some people angry because I'm like, we don't need hate. There's no point in hating anything. As a matter of fact, if you want to be truly dangerous, 
don't hate anything because to hate something first you have to care about it and let me see i didn't give a shit about the cow that died so i could eat it i didn't have to hate the cow and wish that cow death so that i could have food well hate actually clouds your judgment yes and it actually makes it like, for example, let's say people really hate mosquitoes. So they decide to declare war on mosquitoes. This is either going to become really comical or really ugly really quickly. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, and a little bit of both, it's just going to be ridiculous no matter what. Yeah. Whereas um, when it comes to, say, apathy, mosquito bites you, slap it, move on. You're not occupying your time. You're not distracted from more important things. You just killed the mosquito because it was in your space and it was bugging you. Or lit the fire or whatever it was to chase all the mosquitoes away from where it is that you didn't fucking want them. You don't have to care about them. If you hate them, now you're going to chase every last mosquito down and do everything within your power to make sure that it's dead. Yes, which is a waste of time. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's a stupid concept. Well, and because you hate them so much, you stop thinking about actual solutions. Because one of the things that actually reduced the mosquito population and the diseases they spread was good plumbing. Yeah. Good plumbing. Yeah. And did we make good plumbing because we hated mosquitoes? Or because we loved our people and we liked not having shit in the streets? Yes. Exactly. It's, And it's not that anger... Anger and hatred are two different things. Well, so is mad and furious and words are not synonyms, but words have many meanings. Like you look into, you start looking into like the origins of words and language. The amount of variety and changes to the meaning is fascinating. Yeah. Like something as simple as Oz. The word Oz actually means God. That's why if you... Anyone who's ever met someone named Oz, like my grandpa's name Osborne. is Ozzy. Godborn. Yes. The Godchild. Or uh, I guess with my grandpa's name, Ozzy, it would be uh, Gotti. I, I he's re- kind of Gotti. Yeah. You know, he's weird, but he's Gotti. He, he's, he's, he's godlike. Anyway, but something as simple as that. Think about how many things change, how, how that viewpoint does. I mean, the Wizard of Oz starts to make a little bit more sense, right. oddly. But we're getting off topic. This is uh, a good one for us to come back and visit again. And we've been visiting our, on our Telegram, by the way. Follow that if you don't already. Um, and you can support us on Patreon. We're actually growing. We're working on some actual things thanks to the Patreons and the direct support. And um, buy us a book. And our Teespring is kind of on hold right now. It's still in existence. It's just kind of on hold. But, yeah, if you want to support us, there's a few different ways. Follow the link tree. You'll figure it out. But. I would love to revisit this because we've been actually kind of touching on the language thing. But for conflict, our people, we need conflict, whether um, we've always had board games, strategy board games. Oh, chess. Yes, we've had chess and chess like games for a very long time. I know chess is accredited with the Middle East, but what the fuck isn't? Uh, Hanefetafel. Uh, yeah, there's many. Thank different- you. I was looking. I was looking at him with the. Please say the word of the other game that <laughs> it's it's Viking chess. Yeah, it's, it's Viking what- chess. It's castle and and invaders or. Whatever. But there's many different types of chess, and we have many different board games we can play. And there's nothing wrong with playing. I don't know, go or and falafel or whatever it's called is the grown up chess. Viking falafel, falafel waffle, whatever. 
those board games or even something like uh, RPG games. Like there's a lot of more complicated like town building games or there's ones like D&D or it's many different role playing game varieties. That's a form of strategy because mm-hmm. it requires you to place yourself strategy in a, and luck and role playing thought uh, the thought community building team building the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes long form information gathering skill development like could you imagine if people just took the same r- way that they kind of try to play like these rpg games and then just used it as our people naturally would like i want to learn how to carve so i will start carving wood I, I want to learn how to blacksmith. I will blacksmith. I want to learn how to cook. I will attempt to not burn eggs. Thinking of, um, for some reason, this popped in my head. Me and my friends when I was young. I'd like go down to their house, whatever. We'd go take off running. The grandmother, their grandmother would yell out that they didn't care if we got in a fight. She didn't want to hear about it. Just make sure that they all come back with the same number of that we all come back with the same number of eyes, fingers, and toes. Okay, fair enough. And we beat the living piss out of each other playing all kinds of war games and uh, uh, cowboys yeah, we, and we, Indians, all the old. We'd school get things. nuts. Actually, we played Vietnam more often than not. Um, <laughs> I got Charlie on my twenty. We played Rambo. <laughs> but um, anyways. One of the kids ended up doing something. It wasn't even a fight. It was a complete fucking accident. They literally lost part of their pinky. Ooh. Everybody was terrified because, uh-oh, they're missing a part of their body. What's going to happen? Because that's the one rule is we have to come back with all the pieces. A couple of the kids are so so innocent and naive. They go digging through the brush looking for the piece of the pinky because we have to come back with all the pieces. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get in trouble if we don't come back with the pinky. Well, it's, what they actually meant is for us to not hurt each other, preferably not ourselves either. But they understood. The adults understood at the time. There's a real risk letting us do this that one of us or some of us or all of us are going to end up getting hurt either at the same time or at different times, but just try not to actually be injured. In this case, it was a, we actually got praised because he got injured. Um, We left the person out there digging for the tip of his finger and brought him home. And then it was like, what happened? It was explained. Then pray start going around. Thank you for taking care of him. You brought him home. I see that you you bandaged up the 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 wound and brought him home. Made sure that he was safe, and you brought him straight here. Thank you so much. And yeah, we end up getting praised because all the adults understood at that time. Shit's gonna happen, especially when you get a bunch of kids doing kid things. I don't even remember exactly what happened. It, Involved, like he fell down in a sharp stick or something. Anyways, it, it ripped off, <laughs> ripped off the end of that poor kid's pinky. Well, he had a good story. For he a while. did. He did for a little while. Yeah, and he still, he still actually has a good story if he remembers exactly how it happened. But all I remember is half. There's probably fifteen of us, and a full half the kids go into a panic. Because, oh, my God, we're going to get in trouble, and he hurt himself. Nobody hurt him. He hurt himself, and we're all going to get in trouble for it. It's amazing. But the thing is, is really, and I know this is hard for most parents, but we need to understand as parents, our kids need this risk if they're going to grow up to be, I don't know, fucking sane. 
or great heroes if you want to go to the other extreme. But yeah, just to be sane, because cooped up, it's like greyhounds. You can't keep them cooped up all the time. They will die, and they, they will, will die, die young. They'll, they'll eat their own feet. Yeah. It'll drive them nuts. And here's the thing is, in that moment where the kid lost his finger, what was happening was that little war band of little boys, and I'm guessing maybe... There, there was a few girls there. Yeah. All of a sudden, the leadership potential starts showing in yeah. them. The ones that are freaking out versus the ones that aren't freaking out. Like, what do we do? And then you start... It starts sorting itself out. People start figuring mm -hmm. out. So these moments not only bond the kids together and show a sense of loyalty, but it starts to show... Which among us is the best to lead this group? At least for now. For now. And then it'll change over time. And the reality is, is as living beings, we need these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. We need to have the ability to have conflict. Now, well, yeah, because with that same story, uh, to, to play on exactly what you was talking about and how things will change over time, some of the kids that had panicked before looked at those of us who did not panic, including the kid that got hurt. He didn't panic. He's just like, ow. And realized staying calm like that and being able to think has real value in a high-stress situation. So, and they actually grew up to become that because they, they saw an example of it. They saw how detrimental it was for people to panic, and they had a real-life example of, oh, shit, somebody needs to take charge when shit goes sideways. You don't need to always be in charge, but somebody needs to step up when it calls for it. And some of them went on to do some amazing things. Well, and the thing is, is if we're allowed to make those mistakes, we can grow up pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Like it's like that old saying, 14-year-old, there are 14-year-old men and 40-year-old boys, and this has never been more true than right now, or, in, or at least in recorded history that I've seen to this extent. But... The reality is a lot of us are behind the times. We're 10, 20 years behind where we probably should be in terms of that level of mental maturity that we could have gotten, you know, if we were more latchkey kid and less helicopter parented. And I understand the world is dangerous, but the reality is, is conflict is always going to be a part of us. It's in everything we do and we need it to be sane. And not only that conflict war conquest this is simply a part of being alive if you're not willing to do some semblance of these things if you're not willing to defend yourself if you're not willing to fight for yourself then that's called apologizing for being alive and i would much rather our people become strong noble and wise than become craven weak and deformed Lorekeeper out all right um and i'm gonna say hey if you made it this far thanks Make sure to share th share us with your friends, share us with people that you don't like. Um, but, yeah, and we'll hopefully you guys will join us next week. All right, see you later.